Good evening and welcome to Chasing Prophecy on FM 105.3 New Orleans, where we discuss anything and everything. Oh, thank you. Beyond the scope and normal. Remember to like us on YouTube and follow us on Instagram. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Happy, Happy Tuesday. Tuesday. How you feel tonight? Uh, stuffy. I'm very stuffy. Stuffy. Okay. Well, yes. that's not good. Well, hmm. we have a special <laughs> guest here with us tonight, Betty Edie. She was supposed to be on last week, and unfortunately, she had a death in a family, and we welcome her back tonight. So I'm glad we can have her um, this evening. And um, Betty, I just want to let you know that every day is a challenge here, and it seems like we're having another challenge every day of the week. <laughs> so um, a lot of us feel a little stressed and feeling that something isn't right in the universe, and maybe it's some kind of spiritual awareness that we are going into. And I know myself, I feel a little um, connected to the spiritual realm as, as Sean and Jason are as paranormal investigators. And I know myself, my journey started, um, oh, geez, in the spiritual world um, years ago. But something happened to me, and I am going to discuss with you if it could be similar. Um, I never had uh, the experiences you had, um, but you had the opportunity to um, see Jesus Christ, our Savior, um, in a very unusual um, experience. And we're going to talk about that. And... I just want to make sure I tell you now um, if ours are the same. So I have a picture, but we're going to wait until after you discuss what you've seen. And then we're going to discuss and see if it's any, if it's similar to what I saw years ago. Um, but I know your experiences started years ago when you were just a child. And I just want to make sure um, I get this right. So before I, you know, I'm going to introduce you the right way, uh, I was going to keep you in the back. And I kind of, this is new to us having control over StreamYards to broadcast. Um, so um, some, like I said, some people have been lucky enough to see Christ before they actually die. And you had an experience this years ago. Um, Betty um, Edie um, is our guest tonight. She's a prominent American author of several books on near-death experiences. Her best-known book was number one, and I still believe, I think it's still pretty good on the bestsellers list, Embraced by the Light. Um, she's In her book, she describes her near-death experiences, and it was followed by another book that she wrote called The Awakening Heart, which was also um, a bestseller. So, um, Betty, welcome to um, Chase and Prophecy. Welcome, Betty. Yes. Thank you for coming. Welcome, Betty. Thank We're you so very happy. much. Gonna, it's a pleasure being here with you. Yeah, and it's a really? pleasure having you. I'm so glad you could make it tonight. Now, Betty, I read your book, and I was, like I said, I was inspired, and it brought back some things that happened to me in my past. I didn't have a near-death experience, but um, it just it will open my eyes. 
And I think this is exactly what we need right now is your book and what you experienced to try to give us some kind of clarity and some kind of hope in these days that we are facing um, with all the um, you know things going on in the news. And I'm not going to mention it because I think this is a great escape for us. So I don't want to really mention it too much today, but um, you have a great story. So why don't you just go ahead and start from the beginning when you had your experiences as a child in a boarding school. Uh, I think that would be a great place to start. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, I'm old enough to where I've had um, experience uh, living on Indian or Native American um, reservations. My mother was uh, Lakota Sioux. My father, uh, Irish. They were not back in, in those days, they were not permitted to be together. Uh, he was white, she was Indian. They were taking the children, uh, the Indian children, out of the homes and putting them in boarding schools. You might have heard a lot of the hoopla of, uh, uh, in current times where they are uh, finding uh, cemeteries uh, actually on the property of these schools and uh, digging up the children uh, who are buried there. And thank goodness for actually finding relatives uh, that the children belong to. I was only four years old when I was taken from my parents and placed in a boarding school. And I remember looking out the window from the girls dormitory, which looked out across the field and out to where the cemetery actually was located. And I remember hearing stories about um, you have to really behave yourself or you're going to end up over there in that cemetery. It was a frightening experience for a four-year-old because I didn't quite understand everything yet. Went to school there and then on to another boarding school from, from that point. But while I was in, I mean, the reason I left that school, in the winter, we had one army blanket and a and a mattress. We slept on the mattress we covered with the army blanket. And I caught a whooping cough and double pneumonia. Uh, I was rushed to the hospital where I actually, I didn't think that I had died at that point because I didn't know what death was. I didn't, I was only four. But what I remember vividly and still remember when I stop and think about it is um, laying in this huge bed, well, to me, four years old, and I'm a small woman, small child, laying in this bed, and but looking down from uh, from above and seeing this great big white bed, the sheets were white, I guess, the all the blank, everything was white, including the bed, the metal bed, and here was this little black spot or brown spot in the middle, and as I came down closer, to look at it, it was it was me. It was my body laying there, and uh, and uh, I, you know, I recognized that it was me. I knew it was me. I felt it was me. And then there was this bright light that entered the room, and this beautiful man. Um, he was uh, sparkling. Uh, his body was uh, was was light, that was full of energy, and it kind of flowed in and out from him. And he swooped me up into his arms and he held me really close. And I felt this incredible love 
incredible love and safety that I felt I wasn't feeling there at the school. So I was mesmerized. And he had this beard that came down and and it was uh, filled with sparkling uh, energy and light. And I reached up and I was playing with it. And, um, and then the next thing I knew, I was back in my bed. A doctor and nurse had come in and I heard the doctor say to the nurse, oh, we've lost her. And, um, and I, I guess that's before I came into back into my body because I'm looking down at them and I'm thinking, I'm not lost. I'm right here. What does it mean I'm lost? And uh, so anyway, I came back. So that was my, I guess my very, uh, it's an it's a experience I had that actually I would think back on because it saved me from a lot of grief as I um, was in other boarding schools and they were Indian, they called themselves Indian training schools. And basically what they what they did when I first entered in is they uh, cut our hair off and they deliced us, they sprayed us with with um, DDT or whatever that is that they, um, oh my God. Uh, uh, yeah, would spray you with, uh-huh. and, um, uh, and we couldn't speak uh, our language, which was, of course, uh, Native American Lakota Sioux, or we would get punished. And I, I saw many of the children were punished. I wasn't at the age of four. I don't remember that uh, being punished, but just the threat of it. Then at the other schools, they were a little bit better than that when I was four. Either that or I was getting accustomed to it. Uh, the same type of thing went on, but it was God was pounded in your head. Uh, going into the, uh, at four, when we went into church every Sunday, um, and it was a Catholic church, so we had to do a lot of the, uh, the, the cross and um if you made a mistake, they would reach across and pop you on the head with this stick. Uh, at four, I was making all kinds of mistakes. I didn't, I just wasn't organized. I just didn't know what to do and I wasn't doing it right. Um, so I'd get hit on the head. Uh, I was often told that I was a heathen and I was a sinner because I was part uh, Native American and part Irish. Um, the uh, heathen was the Indian part, and the sinner was the Irish part. And I remember that as a child, but I didn't understand it until later. And then I learned why they said that the Indians were heathens and why the Irish were, you know, sinners. Um, <laughs> growing up with that, developed uh, low self-esteem. Uh, I was frightened of God. I was frightened of anything. And then after I got over my fear, uh, anger started settling, settling in. I didn't want to have anything to do with the God like that. Many of the songs said that when you died uh, in, in the church that they would sing all the time were those that once you leave this earth, you go into heaven and you sing praises unto the Lord. Well, I wasn't going to say any praises on to anyone. I, you know, the Lord, what kind of life did I live? No way. Mm. I had developed quite a few. And um, I was totally against, I guess, religion or how to worship God. Uh, but there was a part of me that I 
think I received at the age of four when alert I was from Google password required when I was held by this incredible being um, I felt a nearness to something to someone uh, that was incredible at the age of seven I crawled up on the F, uh, a quarry a very steep uh, hill and um, I was seven years old and I remember building an altar and, and kneeling there and praying over the over the people that were down below um, and I often wondered why what made me think that I should do this I mean I didn't have that wonderful relationship that uh, they were teaching in church that we needed to have with God it just wasn't in me I was somewhat rebellious in fact, I was very, very rebellious. When you grow up and you're put down daily, mm -hmm. uh, you develop uh, this attitude. Uh, when you feel the rejection and um, uh, you become defensive, and I was all of those things. Um, anyway, by the age of 15, I had decided I wasn't going to go back to school. I was home for the summer months. I met the boy next door, and uh, he was escaping his family. I was 15, he was 18, and we decided we were going to get married and have our own family. And I was determined I would raise them the way I wanted to raise them. We married. Uh, we had four children. Uh, one child passed when she was three months old. Uh, it was shortly after her death that he and I divorced and separated. They were separated and then divorced. I met another man. I was only 20. He was 32. We married. It was a happy marriage. Um, it was wonderful. By the time I was 31 years old, we had six children because I had three from one marriage now still. And we had three more. Uh, we planned it that way. We wanted, we wanted a large family. Uh, it was almost as though I felt like I needed to build my own circle of love, a tribe, if you will, mm. and raise them up to, and nothing but love. I was in, just in search for that, that love and acceptance that I had never felt before. At the age of 31, I had to go to the hospital because I uh, was suffering from well, having children very young. My first daughter was born when I was 16. And then they just they just came. I mean, just here this. I mean, I, I don't know. A lot of people were struggling having children, and I just couldn't seem to quit having them. And um, doctors said, you're going to have to have a hysterectomy. Mm. Went into the hospital and um, had the hysterectomy. Uh, during the hysterectomy, I hemorrhaged, and they were able to repair that. And later on uh, in my bed, um, I, I I learned later that I had hemorrhaged again. Um, the doctors and nurses had thought I had not a recovery. I was fine. Uh, there was no problem that they could see, and they left me alone. What I felt, um, I woke up, it was about 9.30, looked up at the clock. And I felt this terrible sensation. I know what it's like to feel when your body is dying. And um, I had previously, I had gone to school and, and, and worked in a hospital. So I'd been around death and, 
and um, I, I and I could feel that in me. I could feel the, the very last drops of blood just flowing out of me. And then I felt myself dying in, in, in from my toes up. And then there was a, this feeling in my chest. Uh, later, a cardiologist explained to me that that was when my heart fibrillated and then stopped beating. Uh, so I felt this energy. And then there but the sound, nobody could identify the sound I heard. It was like a pop. And my spirit come out of my body. And I rose up to the ceiling. And I remember looking down, turning and looking down. And there again, there I'm laying on the bed. Uh, but uh, my body didn't look like me. I didn't. It was kind of hard to recognize. And so I came down to take another look at, at the body. And sure enough, it was me. And um, But as I observed myself, I actually began to feel an enormous amount of peace. It was like, yes, I'm out of there. Wow. I'm relieved from that. But I thought about my children and they were home with my husband and I wanted to go home and, and take another look at them. I was able to do that. And it was interesting too, because I looked around for, instead of going out the door, which was to my left of my bed, and I'm well, I was well aware of that, I looked to my right at the window and I knew I could go through the window. That thought still stays with me. How did I know I could go through that window? But I did, I knew it. And so I went through the window and at a very rapid speed, I could look down below me and I could see the street lights. It was late, it was about 40 to 10 winter months, so it was dark. And um, the street lights were going by very fast and I came to my house, I went right through the, 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 the wall, the door, and I saw my husband sitting there. And um, uh, I was amazed at this too. I mean, I saw him sitting there and I'm supposed to be dead and in a heavenly place, right? Or heading that way. And I felt very annoyed, even angry at him that I had uh, told him that, you know, make sure the kids, uh, are to bed by 8.30. And there he was reading the paper and they're running all over the place. And um, and then I worried about their life. If I leave, what are they gonna be like? And it was just almost magical, wonderful, actually. As each child passed by me and I looked at that child, I could see into their life, uh, their growth there as they grew and went just, I mean, instantly, just like that. I could wow. see everything about their life. And I knew that each one, they would have their trials, uh, but they are going to have their growth. And I knew that each, each thing that happened to them was going to serve them. It was a purpose for greater growth and what they would do down the line as they more greatly matured. And I thought, oh, okay. And, and this thought came to me, like someone was speaking in my head and said, they're only lent to you. They belong oh, wow. to God. Mm. I heard that before. Yes. You That's don't so have to have your ego in them. Um, you you gave them to the body. All right, that's good. If they're attractive or this, that, and the other, they, they've, they've gathered that from um, generations. 
of DNA. But the spirit has always existed and it belongs to God. That spirit is an adult spirit that entered into the body. And I thought, wow, I mean, I can, it was amazing. And I, and, and then I, I seemed to lose, I seemed to understand even greater um, the whole idea of me being the mother of these children that I adored and worshiped even. I had a lot of pride, a lot of ego in them. And, and then I felt responsible for them instead that am I raising them right? Did I raise them right? Did I do what God wanted me to do for them so that they could reach their goals when they become adults? That was, um, it was just, it was just amazing that information that comes to you, it's instantaneous. Uh, then I knew I had to go back to my body and I did. I went back to the hospital, back to where my body was. And um, there appeared by my bed three ancient men in these beautiful brown robes and they had a ties, belts around their waist as I observed them. And um, one had like a hood up over his head, not hiding his head, but just uh, sort of monk style. And I thought about that. Maybe my Maybe my experience in the Catholic Church, maybe that's where I was gaining that knowledge. And they kind of chuckled at me and it was like, no, you have known us for eternities. And I said, really? They said, for eternities. We've always been with you for eternities. And then I kept observing them and I realized that I did indeed know these ancient looking men i knew them i can't tell you who they are because i don't remember but i knew them and i felt confident in them i felt safe again and secure in them and they said that i had you know, they said you have died prematurely and uh but you must go on and then there was this energy that seemed to fill my room until I wasn't aware of my room anymore. And I began traveling into this, I called it a tunnel in my book because I don't know how, how else to describe it, but it'd be like a tornado with all this music, lights, uh, things that sparkle, things that didn't. There were people that I was aware also in this massive tunnel but I, I wasn't concerned about them. They weren't concerned about me. And so I just kept going to wherever I was being taken. And um, I ended in this black void. It was pitch black. Now, I love camping. I've been out in the mountains uh, where at night, no lights, nothing, pitch dark. And if you're in the middle of a wooded area, you can put your hand by your face and you can't see it. That's all black. I, it's been in there. Well, this face was just similar to that. It was so black that you couldn't see anything. Uh, I was a little bit uh, claustrophobia, had claustrophobia. Um, and so this face and the blackness would have drove me crazy, but it didn't. 
and I marveled at that. I was so surprised that I wasn't startled. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't nothing except for being bathed in this beautiful black space. It was wonderful. It was cleansing. It was purifying me. It was, I mean, I could just go on with the adjectives and yet there are actually no words to describe it except for utter joy, complete and utter love, liquid black love. I mean, it was just, I mean, I could just go on. It was just wonderful. I could have, if I hadn't have gone beyond that, and I've thought about this for years, I was only 31 when I died and experienced this. And I thought if I hadn't gone beyond that black space, I wouldn't have minded staying there for eternity. That's how wonderful it was. But as I was basking in this and enjoying it, just being there, um, a bright light pierced through that blackness. It was a pinpoint of light at first, and all of a sudden it would start broadening as as I went into the light. Uh, but it was like a searchlight looking around, and then it seemed to focus on me and draw me into it. And so I traveled into that light, and the speed is this. I, I have no way of describing the speed none whatsoever it was very fast um i saw at i saw that there was as a, as it, we were i was approaching the end of that light there was a figure a man figure standing there off in the distance and I, we i was going directly at him with uh, uh, in this with this rapid speed whatever force that was taking me and as I got near, I knew who this man was. I have always known who this man was and is. And now, however I picked up my own speed, it was me. It wasn't someone pulling me there or the force or energy. I started running. Uh, I'm using words to describe movement, but it wasn't like I was running at all. But I went to him. And I just, I, I, I just wanted him. And as I got there, and he, as, as I came, and he, his arms came out like this. And as I came out, this bright yellow light energy—it was all white and then yellow, golden—and he just swooped me into that and drew me to him. And I embraced him. And this is why I called my book embraced by the light and it brought me to him but I I knew him and I'd been there before and my first words out of my mouth was why did you send me to earth and I'm never going back there again I'm done with it I'm done with it this is what I was saying at the age of 31 and I'm done with earth I'm not going back there you can't make me go and he chuckled and he said you you're you're there for a purpose. I says, well, I'm done. I'm not going back. I'm just not. <laughs> and uh, I said, why would you send me there to become half Indian and half Irish, a sinner? And I said, <laughs> you know, and a heathen. I mean, that's what I am. He says, no, you're not a sinner. You're not a heathen. He said, you're precious. 
Precious. And excuse me. Well, I never thought of myself ever as being precious. That's for sure. But you said you chose your path and you did you did it. I said, I wouldn't choose that. He says, Yes, but you did. He says, You see, everyone here is at different growth in the spirit. Some are greater than others. And there are some that are still learning. And he said, those that are the greater, they choose tough paths. He says, that's what you chose because you have a purpose. Everyone on earth has a purpose to serve. Everyone on earth has a mission to fulfill. And I said, well, you know, I hope I'm done. He said, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was amazing because he had, he was absolutely humorous and beautiful. His spirit was wonderful. And, and the best part is that he said, everyone coming there will remember who he is. I said, everyone? He says, oh, yes, everyone. And who was he? <laughs> but he says, someone's going to remember. Alert from Google. <laughs> you hear that, so guys? I get, you know, yeah, I hear it. <laughs> sorry, Betty. Do, no, I'm do sorry. Something. That's I. If, yeah, I, I don't shift to Google in order to get. Oh, okay. That's you. Google's Google's watching in on us. I know. <laughs> well, now so, you. Well, I hope they learned something, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so that was who you believe is. Is Jesus that you saw? And that was Jesus. And uh, I said, um, uh, you know, well, where are your nail prints? And, uh, and, and again, I still had, I, one thing I, I, I realized is that when you go back to heaven, back to our original home, you still take a little bit of, what you were, your attitude. Mm -hmm. But as longer you're there, you start dropping the attitude and you get back to your original self, the self you were that you and the growth that you acquired um, here on earth, you take that with you. And, and that's a real blessing. But I had this attitude, this chip on my shoulder. Oh. And, um, and so I said, well, where are your nail prints? And he says, Betty, you don't need to see my nail prints. You don't need to see my pain to know who I am. And I live with those words because that means that, well, I never did like to see him on the cross ever no. uh, on anything. Although I do have some crosses. I guess I don't have one on now, but I do have some crosses, but I never wear one with him hanging on it. Um I like to see it sparkle. It's more like it reminds me of how what he looks like now. But uh, he called a couple of people off to the side. There were three women off to the side, and and he said, "There's so much for you to 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 learn." He said, "I want these women to take you and show you everything that you desire to see and more." 
And so I went with them. And this is all the stuff I share in the book, uh, such as the uh, the looms where I saw um, these, uh, mate this material being made. I've had a lot of time to think about that material because it was like light that had been beautifully woven. And, um, and then I went into the garden. They took me into a garden. They told me to to enjoy um, everything. And I noticed that the grass was so beautiful and and I was barefoot and I was walking, I could feel the grass under my feet. But because I like grass, not just like a carpet under my feet, I like grass flowing and up around the calves of my leg. Uh, the grass did grow and it grew to that level on my calf. And then I, everything that I saw after that, if the love I felt for him, and I love uh, woods, I love plants, I love trees, I like sort of an outdoor person. And uh, I saw flowers that is, if I walked over and I touched them, they would grow and sparkle and beautiful. Oh. If you ever watched the movie Avatar, I swear they, someone, whoever, Whoever uh, designed everything, um, they know exactly what I'm talking about because that was what I experienced. In so you had some those. kind of a gift that you could do that in heaven. You know, you the, the ability at all is that we all have those gifts right here on earth. We just haven't learned to use them. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we, we say this is something that's uh, circumstantial or accidental or whatever, when in reality, we create that. Imagination, I was told, is key to reality. Imagine it and you can start. We are co-creators with God. Uh, we, are, we have not just our parents' DNA, but we have the DNA of God in us and we just need to find that in us you know the secret in the bible it says the kingdom of god is within never made any sense to me kingdom of god within me not very likely you know but after having that experience now i know where the kingdom of god is it's whatever i will allow in me and then begin to practice that allowing it to flow and becoming me, the greater part of me. And um, because imagination is a key to reality. And uh, I was taught that while I was there, that, you know, we stymie our growth because we disbelieve. It's what we believe that we, we I, and I know most of you probably have heard about the book, The Laws of Attraction. Mm -hmm. And that is so true, so true. And uh, so, uh, anyway, I saw that, and and where I had my feelings of I don't want to go to heaven, I'll go anywhere, but I don't want to go to heaven when I was a child, because I was not going to sing praises to God, a God that I didn't understand or know, and I couldn't imagine being happy in heaven singing all the time, because well, it would be pretty boring, wouldn't it? And 
But as I went into the in the garden, there was a a a, a river, and a little uh, that went that fed into this beautiful lake, and uh, a, a falls that cascaded down, where the water would run through and. I noticed each little droplet of water as it cascaded down over the rocks. It was singing a melody. I mean, these little tones, little, every droplet. And my eyes could come up and focus on each droplet. And I could see that and feel the happiness of each, again, very, each little droplet as it came down, and each one had a little sound that created this beautiful melody. And um, that is how they glorify God, is by being its natural self and doing what it does best. And that's the same thing with each one of us. We're individuals. Each one of us, our voice is distinctly recognized over a telephone because we are uh, uh, beings made of energy. Our voice is made of the energy. We have our own unique sound. And when we, our behavior and everything about us is so unique that in our uniqueness, we glorify God, our creator. Makes him delighted to see that we are perfect the way we are. But as soon as we get here to earth, we start the transformation. We don't like what God has blessed us with. And then we start doing dabbling with this, that, and the other when he is just fine with what he's created. And um, I went to the river. There was a rock there. And I wanted to sit down on the rock and just feel the water. And this is, I do this all the time when I go camping. I find, get along the riverbed and I sit down and I put my feet in the water. And so I went, I wanted to do that. And there's something about every part of this unique experience, everything calls you to it. So it's not just me wanting it, it's them wanting me as well. It's like an invitation. I invite you to come and sit here. I sat on that rock and it conformed to me and made me comfortable the way I would like to be made comfortable. <laughs> it's beautiful, it really was put my feet into the water and it got, it just became the temperature that I would love to have it. Um, it was just an inner, uh, the exchange was absolutely fantastic. I looked into the water and I could catch my reflection. I did. Uh, and I was mesmerized because I, I mean, here I was. I don't think I was in heaven anymore. I don't know if I had to give it time, it it would probably, and it wasn't this earth time, wasn't the same, but I would say I was probably in heaven at this point, maybe um, if I gave it earth time, it would have to be at least maybe a day or two. And yet it wasn't. We're talking earth time. The time didn't have any... Time didn't no, have any time stood still. Right. But the longer I was in heaven, I was transforming. I was becoming who I was before I came to earth. 
and was born into my family. And this was the woman that I saw in the water. And I tell everyone, and, and, and maybe because you're, you're, you're non-judgmental, I didn't judge myself. I just thought, wow, the beauty of you my were, soul. You were the way you were Magnificent. supposed to be before Earth and the environment changed you. Right. So it sounds like. It brought me back. It Actually, Jesus said, um, you know, come back to remembrance. So it's not like it's new. It's opening your, uh, releasing what was in the past and just moving forward and remembering what was and always Mm -hmm. has been and why you're on earth to begin with. And so you, you learn that not everyone there, not all the souls and spirits there not uh, came to earth. They chose not to. Yeah. Some were too afraid. Earth was too challenging. Speaking so of fear, so up. did all your fear, you weren't fearful at all, the whole experience? You're- oh, not at all. No, no, not at all. I wasn't fearful at all. I was just, I was joyous. Absolutely and utterly joyous. No fear, no thoughts about what I left on earth, my husband, whom I loved with all you my heart. Did you think children, of your children I, while you were in heaven? Did they? Uh, did you think, were you no worry, nothing? Because I know me as a mother would be not, like, no, you don't have nothing. any fear. Okay. That's nothing. good. Because no. remember, I was shown their lives and that they would be fine. And yes. that's all I cared. For, I, I know a lot of the people them. out, excuse me, um, Betty, this was one thing that I have to ask you because I know a lot of people who are listening, they would, are probably thinking the same thing. So what did Jesus look like? That is, uh, he was like a, uh, a being of light. And yet if I had to give him a, uh, it's very hard to describe because um it's like uh, everyone, you know, you talk to can become, can start looking like a chameleon. Uh, a part of their spirit as they're expressing uh, becomes this or that. And another part just goes the other way. Well, Jesus was the same way as he spoke or as he laughed or as he joked. This immense, beautiful energy around him moved with him and he would look. One way he would look this way, and another, in another moment he'd look that way. But if I had to, the only time I found I've since I've come back over these years, I have been shown thousands of, of drawings, paintings of Christ. People wanting me to select one that would resemble him. The one that I saw that we would resemble the one. Everyone being multifaceted in the one prism, Jesus looked like. You ever see the picture of the uh, Turan? Yes. The image? Okay. That captures his features more than any drawing or picture I ever did see. And yet he is, and, and then you magnify that, make him more magnificent uh, without scars, without anything like that. He's, he's very handsome. Uh, they said, did he have blue eyes or brown eyes? 
his eyes changed. Uh, they, uh, I guess if you wanted them, and he even said, uh, I asked him a, a question about uh, when people come, uh, do, does he always come and appear to them like he did to me? Do, do you always appear to people? And he says, no. He says, there are some who don't believe in me. And he will often, he says, but I wouldn't want to frighten them out of their belief system. So he appears um, like however they expect to see him or whatever mm. they expect to see. In other words, you could die and and uh, and see your dog. Or <laughs> I'd like to see my one dog. man was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. It, it's happened. Uh, people they they want some whatever they had on earth that comforts them. A lot of people want to see that when they arrive in heaven. Um, one man said that he never believed in God. He didn't believe in Jesus at all. But when he died, uh, what he what comforted him most was his teddy bear when he was a child. And that he believed in. Well, when he died, went into heaven. And I'm sorry, I have to laugh because having been in the presence of Jesus and knowing his humor, this is so him. So the man dies, goes into heaven, and he's greeted by this giant brown teddy bear. And he's, he, he runs over and grabs it. looks like his little one, but he runs over and he grabs it. And he's running his fingers through, you know, to the fur and loving it. And the, the bear is loving him and holding on to him. And he's feeling comfortable and he's loving it. All of a sudden, the bear starts chuckling. Well, since we all know Jesus's voice, we all know his humor. We all know his chuckle. This guy pushed back from his bear and he goes, Jesus? That brought him. <laughs> that brought him like, hey, Ted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. But I under when he told me that, he hated it. He says, I don't like to tell people about that because I've always been an atheist all my life. And I've heard dozens of other experiences because everybody wants to say how come I met this or how come I met that you know well I'm a Muslim or I'm a this or I'm a that or the other Jesus can appear he said any way that they need him to be he can appear that way he says it doesn't bother him he says that everyone will eventually come to know me because they already know me I am. So how long did you stay in that state of heaven before you were brought back? You know, I wish that I knew the length of time while I was in heaven. Earth time, I was gone approximately two hours. You were uh, gone that long. I mean, was your body actually, did you, you didn't actually die in, in the hospital or did you, or you went into a state where you were almost dead? I, I, my body, as far as I know, was dead. I returned, when I returned to the body, um, I mean, and I, you know, I don't know because I wasn't interested in, in my dead body at all. I was glad to be gone. I did not want to come back. I came back to serve a purpose and that is to write Embraced by the Light and I did that. Um, what I, did your family say when, when this happened, when this was all... This did they do what? what? What did your family say? Did, did what? 
were they were your husband was home when this happened did they not did they call him and tell them that you were gone or did they bring you back did they do cpr no they thought i well they were doing something to me i i don't i don't remember what they were doing because when i got back into the body um i was still i was still in between i wasn't even in heaven I was in my body and I was aware that I was there. They were doing something to me. I don't know. Wasn't I wasn't interested. But because what was happening to me instead is uh, they wanted me to see few coming events, future events um, that would occur here on Earth. I was still being um, informed, educated, educated. Um, uh, brought back into remembrance something that uh, some things I had already always known other things they were reminding me or showing me again and um, uh, I was were you more into were you in a coma was it like a like a a coma like no two hours did I ever lose no two hours dead but two hours is a long time yeah. to be dead. Right. right. Yeah. And come back. I, I, I never heard. I've, I've met people who have been dead longer than two hours. So two hours sounds fantastic. But um, I have met people who were toe tagged in the walker wow. and brought out and uh, still they live. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one man I met, a very good friend of mine, uh, George Rodadaya. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was a Russian um, uh, who I met who had a near death. He was killed, actually, during that mm-hmm. KJV by the KJV. Um, uh, he was he was on his, and I don't usually like to share this because some people really get upset. But he was, uh, he came back into his body when he was in going through his autopsy. Oh, my. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's crazy. Uh, to, oh, it, it, to the amazement of the physicians that were around them, around him. Um, they had to hurry up and take his organs that they had already taken out and put them back in and whatnot. Uh, he was a mess when they finally got him all put together. Joey? But he lived several years. Excuse me, I had my phone off. I don't know what happened there. But, uh, uh, but um, he um, went on to share his experience. In fact, he became a minister and had his own church for some years afterwards. That was part of the plan that he was to come back to do. And, uh, and he did. So there's some amazing things. It, it's you know, um, in the uh, you know Lazarus in, from the Bible. I mean, he was dead yeah. for about days or whatever. Jesus rose him up and created him back just the way he wanted him to. So, uh, how long you're dead or whatever doesn't matter. If you aren't meant to be dead, uh, you can be brought back and uh, continue your life without any damage at all. But well, you, go ahead. You, I'm sorry. Yeah, we are each, you know, we were born to this earth terminal. Not one of us was meant to stay here. 
Each one of us have a time that we need to return. And when that time comes, nothing here on this earth is going to keep us here. But if that time hasn't come, nothing on earth is going to take us out uh, into death. It is all uh, up to God, our creator. He will take us when he's ready or he will accept us when we're ready. That's why you hear about a lot of uh, since this COVID, many people have had near-death experiences um, and have shared them. Uh, it, it's just it's just amazing. Uh, but they were told, just like I was, it's not their time and sent back. Well, I've, I've experienced Christ without being dead. And I when your, your um, experience was seeing the light, the brilliant light. Um, that's what I saw. I was in a deep meditation state when I was 16 years old. I was just after I watched Jesus of Nazareth, the movie. And I was in a deep meditate. I didn't know what meditation was at 16, but I was in deep prayer. And my room um, got really, like you said, the it lit up. My room lit up. And I, at that age, I knew right, I knew right at that moment, that's who that was. Inside the light, I, it, was, it was translucent. That's why I wanted to see, you know, what your experience, how your experience in a, in a near death experience in mine is a light a life experience of seeing Christ and the light was so brilliant. It was like he was translucent inside the light, but I recreated that what I saw at the age, I'm not going to say over 50 something. <laughs> I recreated it with oil paints. Um, but it didn't look like the shroud like you, I saw the most beautiful man I've ever saw in my life. Um, and the, the eyes were so, like you said, they were, tr you, like you said, they changed my, the eye. I couldn't, I couldn't recreate the eye color cause it was between like, like a clear crystal blue ocean blue. It was like the eyes were just something that shined through the light that I could not recreate. But that's why I wanted, when you said the light, all you saw was light. That's all I saw in my room. My room grew in light. It was just the most brilliant light I ever saw in my life. And that's why I wanted to see, um, you know, what you said he looked like. Because I recreated it, but it didn't look like the shroud at all. I didn't see the, sh when I, I couldn't, re it, I couldn't recreate it. That's, that's what's more of a word. It was just, I, I couldn't make the, how could I make something so white and still see Jesus? So I toned it down. I, I, I left it the way it was. And I tried to put the light in there, but I don't know. I just, I just love how you said it was all white. Like the light was so bright. So that's a comforting hmm. feeling to me that maybe it was that image in my room was legit, you know, cause sometimes you start thinking <laughs> you let your mind starts playing games on you. Right. But I was I was alive. <laughs> I was I wasn't dead. I wasn't go. alive. <laughs> so for the time being. <laughs> for the time being. Well, so I've always wondered, you know, the way that uh the general population sees Jesus, you know, through the you know, he's got like long hair, some beard and stuff like that. You know, if you know, seeing him firsthand, like is that 
anywhere close you know just for you know all the listeners that like what does he really look like what we are depicted to see him as like on statues and stuff like that is it anywhere near close to that i think the reason that i saw him that uh, resembling the shroud because that would have been um and i didn't conscious i wasn't consciously thinking this ever but um i believe that that would have been his the real look of his um, of, of his physical body at the time he died. I mean, he was he was a he was a Jew, and uh, he um, he was uh, he was tall, but he resembled the other people of that time, and uh, so he would have looked like a Jew, and that would have been dark skin, dark hair, and dark eyes. Um, as I saw myself in spirit, remember I was telling you about looking at myself in the in the pond. I looked different. Uh, it, it appeared that my hair was a bright red, uh, flowing, active. It was, it was. Uh, everything there has movement uh, because it's energy, and um, and so Jesus's eyes could be blue, or they could be brown, or they could be crystal they could be any color that he will choose to let you see him and this and is how i saw him right i, I couldn't i Jesus couldn't make you oh yeah, well, that's because yeah. i had that was for that was for someone who wouldn't chase i couldn't get the i had the darkness in it on the edges but the light was coming out for his face and that's why Welcome the center the <laughs> but that's why that? the center was so white and i couldn't yeah. I that's couldn't a, do that's a that's a beautiful painting you well, thank yeah, you yeah well done well done you know what but here <laughs> I here, could draw a stick figure that's about it yeah but oh, here's where I come into play here's where oh you know, here we go that's great oh yeah now I do respect your story and I'm very grateful you're on sharing it with people okay and um but what bothers me a little bit was when you saw the guy that was, um, you asked Jesus uh, to see your the nail imprints in, in the hands, and he refused to show you, okay? To me, now I've been in, in my business for over 30 years, and yes, I had a near death, and yes, I didn't see the light. I saw darkness when I, you know, but my life changed. But besides that, See, to me, thinking, okay, if this guy didn't want to show that there could have been something else in there. It it could have been a different entity. You know what I mean? I'm not knocking your story. I'm just saying where I want to come from is if he was truly Jesus, he could have showed you his palms. He showed him to St. Thomas. It's just that I want to throw that out there and see what your theory is or, or an answer. I'm really challenged even to uh, decipher most of what was said. I'm sorry. I'm not pumped. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not knocking your story. I just, I don't know. To me, when somebody refuses to show something, then, and that's only me. I mean, is it possible that, uh, uh, Sean, is it possible that, um, you know, since he's risen, you know, and he's back in heaven and everything, that he doesn't have the nail marks anymore? 
you know what uh, I mean? Like, like he wants you to see him in the better light, you know, not right. as you know, you see him, you know, I could see that during but, that time, but, is it? But I do believe St. Thomas doubted that Jesus died. He didn't believe it was Jesus. And Jesus showed him the nails in the hands. So, and and that that's where I'm coming from today. He's a little I, skeptic. I, I just, long story. Yeah, I can't. I I couldn't really make out. It's very broken. All the everything you said was. Oh, you're horrible. having an internet issue. Okay. Yeah, no, you're a little really. fuzzy right now. But, well, but, um. As far as Jesus, I mean, when you when you see him, believe me, all is forgiven because he certainly doesn't expect us to have perfect memory until we go back. We're just not going to. I mean, everybody has their own understanding, their own, however they were raised, their own perception, their own idea. Their, we all try to take everything, and, and that's not just Christ. That's anything in life. You get a handful of people, and you're, they're looking at the same thing. Very few of them are going to see the exact thing. And so it doesn't matter to him what you think he looks like or how you think he's going to be. What matters to him is that, uh, you know, you learn, uh, you, you learn to, you look for miracles and you find them. And you're going to find miracles in God. And that will draw you closer to God. That will draw you closer to Christ. Having faith and understanding the, higher laws that we came here to learn and yet we i mean we're really crippling ourselves these days because we are not living the higher laws we're actually uh creating some pretty low laws that are are crippling us and um absolutely yeah but when we get there we'll see all of that and but we're here to learn and they didn't send us here and blind us exactly for no purpose at all we wanted to come here and be challenged each one of us in our own way and so if uh, if say for instance i'll pick someone that uh, we don't know i don't know but let's say a person uh was was brilliant in um in uh, it's usually coming here to acquire an attribute of uh, an attribute of god so let's say patience. Someone needed to acquire patience. And so all, throughout their life, they're going to be hammered with situations and, uh, where they have, to, they have to develop their patience. But first, they're not going to show patience. They're going to show how impatient they are and, uh, and go through all of this until they acquire that one thing. Or a person who uh, wanted to... Uh, the greatest gift is love. And yet we come down here and look at love. I mean, everybody has taken love and made what love isn't, you know, such as, I mean, it's someone else. Uh, I, I, you don't, I, I'm a counselor and I you don't, can't tell you how many men I've said, you're not in love. You are in heat. Because <laughs> everything you talk about, on this woman is a physical aspect. You are not talking about how she, the beauty that she has inside herself that caused you to, to love her. 
Well, Betty, um, if anybody so, has any questions for um, Betty, go ahead and post them in the chat. We should be more than happy to be, well, she's still here with us. But in the moment, I just want to shout out to our sponsor tonight for our second hour is Carnation. Just remember, if you want a good, great cup of coffee, they have a great selection of creamers. And it's great for baking, too. So thank you, Carnation. Cheers. Thank you, Carnation. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So if there's any questions for Betty before we uh, let her go this evening, please drop us a line in the chat. Um, I just think it's fascinating. I think it's a great um, a story to help give people hope, um, especially if they're struggling um, and they have questions. And it's, I think it's a great book to pick up. You can still find it on Amazon. Um, how about bookstores, uh, Betty? Is it still available in bookstores? It's still available, and uh, the best place, I think, to get it is uh, uh, Amazon, Anima, Amazon Books. It's called Embraced by the Light, uh, The Awakening Heart, and The Ripple Effect. And The Ripple Effect is uh, what I call my first teaching book. It's taken the principles that I learned during my experience and, um, and responding to thousands of letters that I received and trying to help the people. Uh, there to understand God's point of view on on what uh, you know how he might feel or what he uh, because he's not a punishing God we punish ourselves exactly right. I actually have yeah. a question um, when you're referring to the uh, solid black and there was just nothing um, you said it was like very peaceful it was like loving and stuff like that um, do you think that that's like that for everybody? Because a lot of people, you know, probably listeners and everything would associate the darkness with a more negative, you know, view. Yeah, um, I, I would have associated it too if I hadn't experienced it. I also think, uh, you know, I hear, I've heard thousands of near-death experiences, as you could imagine, over the years, because my experience was back in 1973. This is 1921 and or 2021. And uh, that has been, oh, my goodness, since a book has come out, that's over 25 years ago. Yeah. When Grace first came. Um, so I've heard thousands of near-death experiences. You're right. Not everyone experiences the black uh, space. Uh, some do, but not all. And I think, you know, as I look at it, uh, the over uh, thing, I, I probably had to go through this cleansing and purification and whatever. And it was, it gave me a time for healing of my spirit, which badly, it was in great need of healing before I could meet Jesus is what I'm thinking. Um, because some people just, they just go from one state of being there. They're just there. And then back told that they, cannot be there but I had to go through this this thing and I also had to go through a rebaptism not in a particular church but it's very symbolic of again going from death to life in the water water representing the the uh, the flesh and coming up out of that uh, very symbolic. A lot of that is very symbolic. And I did that in that river um, where I I sat with my, you know, with my feet. 
but there there's so much more i mean they just i have to get the book and read it i was taken into um into uh the many worlds that god created uh they wanted uh, me to see that there's life outside of earth and uh life on these other planets and that uh the individuals there are very much in tune with what we're doing here and um uh, I mean, it's just, it just opens up a whole new world. It's, it's vast out there. There are no limits, no limitations. And we all can uh, be a part of that if we just open ourselves up to it. Absolutely. Well, we're going to go ahead and let you go tonight, uh, Betty. But um, thank you so much for Yes, thank sharing. you, Betty. Yeah, um, thank you, That's Betty. a very compelling story. Yes, it yes. was. Thank you. And we appreciate it. And there's the link on you can. There's one of the versions of Embraced by the Light on um, Amazon, and it was like an enlightening story. And thank you so much for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. You have thank a great you. night. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Bye bye. Well, guys, All what do right. you think? That uh, was a uh, very very interesting story. Extremely. <laughs> I've got Mary. a mind full of my own questions on it. Yes, know, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, it, it's her story, and you can't judge her on that story. It's just, for me, it's just, there are, like Jason said, there are some questions I need to ask about it. And um, I just, that's where I'm at right now. The I think the biggest part for me that I really question is the... Uh, being dead part for two uh, hours, she said, Yeah, you know, she was dead for two hours because after three minutes, you start to suffer brain damage and then right. organ failure and all everything else. And then, you know, the, the gentleman, you know, that came back during an autopsy, like, uh, right, I don't know, because you'd have bled out by then. And well, but, there's there are but some, miracles do happen. Well, there's so, some yes. there is a truth to what she said. There's there's something called the Lazarus syndrome. When she mentioned Lazarus, there's um, documentation. There's a whole. I'll read off a couple of. So I'm going to help her. I do believe that it could happen. So I'm just going to go through these. Um, okay. A 27 year old man in the UK collapsed after overdosing on heroin and cocaine. Paramedics gave him uh, narc. How do you say that? Narc, narcan, narcan, sort of like narcan injection. <laughs> There's two different <laughs> kinds. This one doesn't say that. And he recovered enough to walk to the ambulance. He went into cardiac arrest and transit. He after 25 minutes, they re- recitated him. Uh, the patient was verbally declared dead about a minute after the rest. I can't want to talk today. I, res, res, resuscitation ended. It's all the, it's all the anti, uh, antihistamines in my nose is clogged up. It's all that coffee drink. I missed out the vocals. Yeah, well, carnation. Oh, it's delicious though. Mm-hmm. Carn- we're all Thanks stuck for joining us, Pap. Ragweed. Okay, uh, so here we go again. Uh, the nurse noticed a rhythm of the heart on the heart monitor after he was resuscitated, was resumed. The patient recovered fully. Then we have a 66-year-old man suffering from a suspected abdominal um, aneurysm. 
suffered cardiac arrest and received chest compressions and defibrillation shock for 17 minutes during treatment for his condition. Vital signs did not return. The patient was declared dead and resuscitated. Resuscitated. Effort ended. The 10 minute later, the surgeon felt a pulse. The aneurysm was successfully treated and the patient fully recovered with no lasting physical neurological problems. Okay, now these ones are two R's, but we're getting there. According to a 2002 article in the Journal of Forensic Science International, a 65-year-old man, um, he was a deaf Japanese man, was found unconscious in a foster home he lived. CPR attempted on the scene by home staff, emergency medical personnel, and also in the emergency department of the hospital, including appropriate medication, defibrillation. He was declared dead after attempted resuscitation. However, a policeman found the person moving to in the mortuary. Okay, he was in the mortuary. So this is pretty long. After 20 minutes, the patient survived for four more days. Okay, there's mm-hmm. a couple more. Judith Johnson, a 61-year-old, went into cardiac arrest at the BB Medical Center in Louis, De- Delaware. United States in May 2007, that's 2007, she was given multiple medicines and synchronized shocks, but never again regained a pulse. Okay, she was declared dead at 8.34 p.m., but was later discovered to be alive and breathing. She sued the medical hospital where it happened for damages due to physical and neurological problems stemming from the event. That's pretty crazy. A 40, where was it? A 45-year-old woman in Colombia was pronounced dead as, as there was no vital signs. Okay, no vital signs showing that she was alive. Later at the funeral work, and now this is crazy. She actually is taken to the funeral home. The funeral worker noticed that the woman was moving <laughs> and alerted her co-workers that the woman should go back to the hospital. <laughs> oh my god that's crazy <laughs> then we have a 65 year old in malaysia came back to life after two and a half hours okay guys after doctors at the Sebering jaya hospital in Penyang, i don't know where that is pronounced him dead he died three weeks later but he actually was dead for two and a half hours then we have Anthony Yaheli, a 39, a 37-year-old in Bellbrook, Ohio, USA, was breathing abnormally at 4 a.m. on August 5th, 2013, and he could not be woken after finally after they found he had no pulse. First respond, first responders administered CPR and were able to retrieve a stable enough heartbeat to transfer him to the emergency room. Later that afternoon, he suffered a cardiac arrest for 45 minutes. He was dead at the Caltern Medical Center and was pronounced dead after all efforts to resuscitate him had failed. When his son arrived at the hospital, to visit his supposed to be deceased father, he noticed his heart beating on the monitor <laughs> that was still attached to his father. Resurrect, uh, rest of, oh my God. Resuscitation. Resuscitation. Efforts were resumed and he was successfully revived. 
And then mm -hmm. we have a 78 year old guy. The coroner said he was a dead. He arrived already to debomb him at 9 p.m. on February 26, 2014. Once at the funeral home, he was found to be moving, possibly arrested by a defibrillator implanted in his chest. Oh, the oh. oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I told you it's torture Tuesday. This, is tor this last this last hour is torture for me. I just want you. Oh, to that's know. right. It's torture Tuesday. Torture, yes, torture Tuesday. Tuesday. And then we have one more that was resuscitated. Res resuscitated. Resuscitated. Say it with that's me. the word of the day. The word of the day is resuscitated for for two hours. So <laughs> it does happen. So we have to give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean. There's a lot of them. It's called this Lazarus syndrome. And where do these people go? Um, she's just one of the many that go to heaven. And then there's others like Sean that go to hell. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I don't. Yeah. So, I, I mean, now here's my deal with the whole situation. And, and if I made, made her mad, I didn't mean to. It's just that being in the business for so long, you ask somebody to see something and they refuse to show you. That, well, that's something, fish, have, that's something fishy in my book. Okay, well, Jesus can say, if he doesn't want to show you his wounds, then... What? I, he showed I mean, it to St. Thomas. He did. Well, yeah, well, maybe he didn't want to show it to, to um, Betty. I don't know. So so I got some information on the uh, Lazarus effect. Uh, compliments of Nina, because I wasn't sure, and she's in the medical <laughs> field. Thank uh, you. Dude. <laughs> well, first, well, first, I got to say, uh, you know, 17 minutes is a lot different than a couple hours for the most part, you know, 17, 20 minutes, whatever. Uh, but also the Lazarus effect patients are uh, constantly being worked on to bring them back. And usually they end up dying or have like severe, you know, residual effects. Uh, also, I didn't know this, but uh, they were likely not checked for a second heartbeat location. I didn't know that. You know, because know. a lot of times the heart is still beating, but very, very lightly and can't be detected on a single site. So that there would medically explain, you know, what's going on, why somebody could be pronounced dead. And then so much longer later, like, oh, my God, the heart's beating, you know, because it's starting true. to build back up. And when the heart's beating, guess what's happening? There's still oxygen going through blood, you know, mm -hmm. but then, you know, it's so weak that the after effects are. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. No, that's that's, so that, a, that's a good medical explanation yeah, for it, if you ask me. Thank you. I mean, Nina. miracles happen. I'm you know, you know, I believe miracles happen, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you look at it, you know, from the medical standpoint, that's makes a lot more sense. Yes. Yeah, there's does. a lot of things that happen too uh, that explains the chem there's like a chemical reaction that these people have when they're so close to death that your brain starts to shoot off neurons and um you see all kind of things um, i'm not gonna knock it i mean i i think i i she gives people hope um that we need right now in this this time we need hope i don't you know? think there's any hope for this planet <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> well but i don't know you can have your, you know, your skeptics. I believe in life after death and I believe that there's a heaven and a hell. And I believe that if you don't accept, if you're a Christian and if you believe in Christ, you're going to go 
if you don't believe in him, you're not going to. He's not going to let you in. But there's other religions that don't believe in Christ, and I do believe that they go to heaven. So that, that it's just whatever make whatever you feel comfortable, or whatever makes you happy. You know, if if a rock makes you happy and you feel very <laughs> spirit spiritual to it, yeah. The Wiccans they go with uh, what trees, rocks, plants, animals, you know, yeah. and and to them that's their god or goddesses. So yeah, it's like give to the earth and you get back, kind of. Yeah, thing. exactly. And what you put out is what you get back. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it was a great guest. I mean, I'm glad we had her on the show. Like, oh yeah, it's a very compelling story. Like, I, yeah, I, it was. I enjoyed her story. It makes you think about a lot of things. You know, I'm going to try to get someone to come on who has gone to hell, and they can John and uh, him can uh, <laughs> compare notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it hot? Yeah. Is yeah. it hot? You know what? Yeah. No, it was freaking cold. It's cold, not <laughs> hot. You know, I'm, I'm still curious about, you know, she was talking about that darkness, though, you know, because so many people associate that with negative and just yeah, bad. That's and why she's I, saying it was so loving and stuff. Like, that was on my mind a little bit. Because then after that, she saw the light start as a pin light and then got bigger and bigger. So that, to me, would be like you're literally stuck in a nowhere. And then the right. light came to get you. You know, that that's the way I perceive that as. So I'm, I'm still. I don't know. When I when when I had that near death where I died um, you know what I saw darkness I didn't see no light and no dry I know what I saw and I <laughs> felt but I tell you what after that changed my life and it changed it for the better so Amen. that's all I got to say about it that's yeah, it just, it for a reason. I did I, I believe that God works in mysterious ways that's the way I look at it and mine oh, was doing what I, I had to go through yeah, you know. Hmm? Well, I my experience in my room. I, at one point, I wanted to be a nun. I didn't know if that's the route I should have went. Um, sometimes I, I was going to be a priest. <laughs> oh boy, what did I? I just walked into a bar joke. <laughs> I want to be a nun and I want to be a priest. Walk into a bar. I did. Oh, I went to school to be a priest. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, you probably should have been, and you would be. Um, I don't know, Mr. <laughs> 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 I don't know, but uh, it was a good I can't show. see Father Kelly, <laughs> but okay, let's get back to okay. So, tell us about your light. Tell us about your light. Oh, god, it was you flick it was, the switch, and the whole thing. No, it was, it was, it, honest to god, I'll never forget it. I told people at school what happened to me, I was so. It was back in, like I said, I was 16, 17 years old. It was right around uh, the same time. This is what kind of got me a little confused because it was right around the time that people were seeing um, when Magigoria started. I don't know if you remember that, Sean. What year um, was this? It was back in the no. 80s. It would have to be 80, 80, 1980. Oh, geez. I wasn't even around yet. Yeah, you weren't around yet. <laughs> it was Easter week. It was Easter week. Um I was watching Jesus of Nazareth in my kitchen on a little TV because, you know, in the back in the 80s, you didn't have all these big Rabbit TVs. ears, black yeah. and white. And I sat, it was a mini series, and I watched it, and I was so enthralled. I had cried. I was bawling watching it I, oh, when he was on the cross. I mean, I was just, when I was raised Catholic, I went to Catholic school. Uh, you know, I got my communion confirmation and all that, but I really never really 
you know, no one portrayed it like that actor did. And I was just so captivated and I went into my bedroom and I'm thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm crying. I'm, I'm like bawling. Thank you. And I'm like meditating. And there was a, I used, I never knew that that's what I was doing, but there was a glass of water. Remember those old clock radios with the light? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I had a glass of water and it was shining through the light. And I was just, I kept on looking at that light, looking at that light and thanking him praying and my whole like the corner of your room where the walls meet you know the that that corner part this light just radiated and it got brighter and brighter and brighter and it filled up the whole room and inside the light i saw that image that that but it was white i couldn't make i can't paint it like that you can there's no way you can make that so i just tried how can i show this how can i show the white the bright light. So I made sure his clothes was real white. And then I have like in the middle of it, if you see it in person, you can see how there's, I have like beams, like, you know, radiant. And I made his face like in the middle, real white as I could get it. Mm -hmm. Um, And made the darkness around the face. And I made sure the background was black because my room was dark, but there was a light coming through. I was so, I can't explain the word. I was this is what got me confused because all of a sudden I got fearful. Like I, I could see that. Yeah. I got scared and yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, fright, I, hor- I mean, I got scared and I, I flicked on the light and ran in my mother's room and I'll never forget it. She, she I can still see her. And it was a dark. My dad was on the other side of the bed. Mommy, mommy, mom, 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 wake up, wake up. She says, what, what? I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. Go back to bed. No, she says, she goes, I believe you. She says, that's all you needed to hear. I believe you. And remember, I was 16, 17. I wasn't taking drugs at the time, but I did go in my bathroom and I, and I like lit up. I smoked. So like the night before. No, I didn't do drugs. I was, <laughs> but I didn't do men. I didn't do men. It's but okay, was, Jenny. It was the eighties. <laughs> okay. But you I was it. in the bathroom uh, and I smoked like ten cigarettes in a row before I had well, enough nerve uh, to go back in my bedroom. Ab- after after you smoked those ten cigarettes, were they green? After a while, how did you feel? I mean, physically, I, mentally. This is what happened. I I thought I should. I go. Oh my God! I saw Jesus. I I think it's He's calling me. I have to do something. So I start reading the Bible, and I went to church. It was, remember, it was Chris. It was Easter week, so they had confessions. So I went to my local church, St. Joseph's, and I went and I, it's talked to a priest. Um, I don't forget him. His name is Father Zarnigi. He's probably in some jail right now. Now, um. Wow. So I told him, I said, I told him my experience and he believed me. He goes, you saw something that brought you to Christ. And Easter Sunday, I could have died. He told hmm. everybody on Easter mass, my story without telling my name. And I was like, I told him not. I told him the story not to tell everybody. And he said that this brought, he was in the homily. And he did his homily around my story. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. I mean, why did he do that? And he, he did it because he wanted to show other people um, the story to bring them to Christ. And he thought it was a wonderful story. But I took it the wrong way. 
And I mm-hmm. thought he shouldn't have told anybody my story. <laughs> but he you did. know what? If you were in confession, I ain't know I'll do that crap. I don't care. It, yeah, he, he didn't say my name or anything, but I knew my mother knew and well, I don't know. It was a great part of it. But I did, nah. I was struggling. I was struggling. Jenny, you had a homily made about you. I know. I put that I did. on my resume. I know. Put I that did. on your resume. Okay? <laughs> I had a homily made about me it, back it in the really, early 80s on a nicotine really overdose, media. no drugs induced. <laughs> there was no drug induced. No, it was a really, and it stayed with me. I mean, I tell people, I, I was telling kids at school about it. I thought I was, I thought this was, I can't believe I saw this. I mean, right. well, who can say that they had this experience? So I, I mean, it stayed with me all these years. And I finally told my, this is when I started to paint. I said, I have to create, recreate that. And I didn't know if I should make the whole picture white. And I thought, no, because you wouldn't see it. So I uh, took it to my priest actually. Um, this, is it the this, same one? I made this one. I just did this during coronavirus uh, lockdown. I did this on, uh, I was good it was for Good Friday. I think I did it right before Good Friday. So not this one, but last, the 2020, when we were locked down, I yeah. think it was. Yeah. 2020. So that's when I did it. And I, I, I just, the whole time I did it, I sang the Divine Mercy the whole time. I sang it. Oh, and, <laughs> and the funny thing is, people say, well, I eat in the paranormal film because I believe in the spiritual side of it. And that's why I'm not, I'm not into all that weird stuff. I don't do witch, witchy stuff. I don't do, I don't try to conjure, de- you know, spirits, but I'm They're more on the spiritual side of it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Which but is I, cool. But I, that's how I painted it. And, and I, it's, when I go to, I have it in my bedroom. It's huge. You should see how big of this thing is. So huge. WWJD. Yeah. What? Rules. What? Jet, that's a question for Jenny. WWJD. What would Jesus do? Yeah, exactly. Did? Yeah. So what yeah. would he do? What would Jesus do? When he saw my painting, he's going to love it. I asked him. <laughs> no, seriously. Did he say, oh, know. Jesus Christ? Well, no, I went to my priest and I asked him. <laughs> yeah, he's, I swear all the time. I have, to, I have to, you know, say, I'm sorry, God. I can't help it. I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. But I did, I when I painted the painting, I, I was just, I was blown away. I had tears coming down my eyes because it was just. I thought it's it was gorgeous. Cool. It's a beautiful it picture. A if you job, see, yeah. if you it's see it in gorgeous. person, it's really yeah. nice. But like I, said, it- I can, I can draw a stick figure. Literally, <laughs> that's about it. But I took it to my priest and I asked him. I said, "What am I supposed to do with this?" I said, um, "I didn't know what he was trying to tell me." And he goes, "You need to do have discernment." And I'm like, "What the heck does that mean? I don't know what you're telling me." But it was just a story. I thought I should tell. I mean, I'm. I like I'm to glad t- you shared it. Yeah, thanks I'm for glad sharing. you shared it. A good story, yeah, yeah, really. Because it gives me like, oh, okay, you. What did you want? You know, and I think he was just letting me know that he accepted my um, my prayers of thanksgiving. You know, because I was thanking him, and mm-hmm. he was saying, "You're welcome." <laughs> that's what I'm hoping he say. That's, You're welcome. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Save a turkey leg for me. No, but it gets. I, I've, you know, I've experienced a lot of loss in my life, and it gets me, um, gets me through it. You know, right? It's hard, but we all do, right? We all yeah, experience it's part loss. Of life. Yeah. And it was nice to know that you know her story about Christ and seeing Him, and it made me feel hopeful. That if I would die, my kids would be okay. Like if you lose your kids early in life, you know that would be horrifying. But. Right. Uh, 
gives you so that she felt okay that they were going to be okay, which I like that. Right. Right. Which which is a good deal. Yeah. Um, with I don't know where my son's going. He went from a Catholic to an atheist now because he's he's a scientist. He it, it's really really crazy. Um, he was an older boy, even up to the age of sixteen, and then he got into the scientific field, and he lost all con- he lost everything that he grew up with in the church, and uh, to his mom. To his mom, that really hurt her feelings very much. You know what I mean? And I can see that. Yes, and but I have a good son though, because even though he don't believe anymore, when he comes home for Christmas, he goes to Christmas mass with my mom, it, with his mom. You know, even so, though he doesn't believe it, that's nice. Exactly. Yeah, it is. So I just well, maybe I he'll find his him. way back. I hope so, because I pray for You know, him. something I've noticed is like, you know, I grew up Catholic and everything, and, uh, you know, I went to CCD and everything, but it seems like a lot of people that I know that, um, you know, went to like Catholic schools and just got pounded, you know, with, you know, just religious thing after religious after religious, it seems like as they reached adulthood, a lot of them are like, I'm tired. Yes. Like, I'm, and I'm t- a lot of them, you know, stop, you know, practicing, stop believing, because they're like, I'm just tired of it beating into my head you know it seems like there's a lot of right. people like that out there well, well you know, know what i i was in catholic school for 12 years and when i graduated i didn't even want to step into a church because i got tired You'd of catch it. on fire oh no i stuck my hand <laughs> i stuck my finger no i stick my finger into the holy water and it burns my fingertips no <laughs> you got but hit no. by lightning well, but no, I, no, no, no. What, I know what, what you're I'm saying, Sean. That's where you're yeah. It was just too much religion for 12 years. I had enough. You and have, I never yeah. went to church. That's the thing about, I don't think you have to go to church. I mean, I just found my way back to church after the scandals because I was so furious at what happened. Um, but I follow um, Michael, uh, Father Mike Smith on um, Ascension Presents, who does the Bible 365. Bible in the year, basically. And Mm -hmm. I follow him and he did a whole podcast on how to go back to church after I have to go back to the Catholic church after what happened with the scandal. And he said, don't leave lead, lead, um, lead, don't leave lead. So when you go to church, you try to just, you're not going for hello, Augie. You're not going to church (laughs) because of the priest, because who cares about the praise? I don't even listen to half the homilies. I I only go. But it to was church. about you that one time, so you should well, yeah, pay, pay special attention to the. But homilies I go now. for the. Um, the That's like a rite of passage for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like I don't know if you guys ever heard of um, Marshall Taylor. He's yeah, an ex. I watch him. I watch now, him. He is. He wrote the book Infiltration, and I'm trying to get him on the show because he believes that the church has been infiltrated by the by by the Satan. And that's exactly what's going on now. And that's what I think, too. I think that the Pope, all of them, it's all infiltrated. And this all happened back in the 40s. It started in the 40s. And then with all the, um, I mean, come on. How many priests abused kids? I mean, there's like thousands. You know what I mean? Well, they got that scandal just a couple years ago. And they're not. 498 or something like that. You can't tell me that. that, Yeah. You can't tell me that's not the devil. I mean, come on. Oh, it's the devil's work. It's the devil's that, work. Yeah. And he's in there and he's of laughing. Course. He's laughing his Where's ass Constantine off. Constantine when you need him. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> that was a good movie. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. With, with, um, yeah, it was. Keanu Reeves. Yes, I love that movie. No, seriously. And, and where we're going, I think everything what's going on, like with uh, Afghanistan now and COVID, and I think we're going down. I think I've been doing a lot of reading, and the more and more I read, the more and more I think we're getting into the apocalypse and revelations. It, it's all happening. Revel, the book of Revelation is all happening right before our eyes. So, so get mm -hmm. ready, boys. <laughs> you know, yep, who's sure going to be the last man standing? I don't know. It's kind of scary. It, it's it, it just gets, I, I just want to thank all this, the service people, men oh, and women, yes. for 20 years protecting us from terrorists. Thank you. I appreciate you and for protecting the United States. Exactly. Thank you very to, much. We have to, we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of days. And that's why, you know, it's good to know that when, you know, Betty was on the show that, you know, it's just, this isn't what we're, this isn't it. This is not it. It better not be it because. So somebody messaged me and they said, uh, I had a priest chase me around the church and he caught me up by the organ. It just left. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's bad. That's bad. Well, getting no. back to paranormal stuff. I mean, guys, have you yeah. been on any investigations let, let, lately for the last. 15 minutes we have here. <laughs> well, the last couple, well, a couple weeks well, ago. Coincidentally. Yes. I got, um, about two weeks ago, I actually taught a, a class at a psychic fair, and um, it was pretty interesting. Um, what did you learn? <laughs> what did you teach? <laughs> Papa's oh, Well, actually, it was something because what it was, the class what was paranormal. Paranormal 101. And um, oh, we boy. ended up talking about um, uh, exorcist, exorcisms, people getting demonic possessions. And I was like, wow, this is intense, but it, it was pretty interesting. Uh, Were there anybody there that was possessed? No, 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 no. But I got a good psychic reading. You oh, know. yeah. How'd yeah, that go? Awesome. Awesome. You? Awesome. What they tell you? Anything good? Oh yeah, uh, I'm not getting married. Um, oh, we knew that. That's not so. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it, it, I'm I'm working my path where I need to be where I'm at right now, and it is with um, the radio. Um, that's why you see a lot of videos that I put out. They might be two or three minutes, but. Um, it just feels like that's what I have to do. And I'm not in it. I'm not egotistical when I say that. It's just, it just seems like, like I have to get something out and say it. And, there you uh, go. So that, that's good for you, Matt. Right How that's about, hey, Jason, what about that dude you talked to at that Bigfoot fair? Talk about oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to get, I got to find the business card. Uh, this guy at the Bigfoot fair that I stopped that last weekend. Uh, he actually had photo evidence oh, for the yeah. first time. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I caught the tail end of his presentation, but uh, he was, you know, he was talking about all his experiences and everything. And he actually had proof to show, which I was like, okay, now this is pretty cool because you hear story after story after story. And it's like, well, do you have any proof? Well, no, you know, I didn't catch anything or missed it on camera or whatever. But this guy actually had like, slides and actual over the years what is his name do you recall <sighs> that i'll have to ask um 
Russ was there. I'm gonna have to ask him. I can't remember his name. Like I said, I caught the tail end of it, but uh, it wasn't Eric, was he? Nah, Altman? he was. He was an older guy. Eric Altman. Eric Altman. That's what nah, I said. He's sure. Guy. Well, Eric's pretty. How old is Eric, Sean? He's young. He's young. He is. Eric's young. Yeah. Well, that's not a number. How old? Was he in his forties, fifties? <laughs> I would say no, he's in his fifties now. I'd say he's, he's in his fifties. Is that young or dude. old for you? Jason. That, <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll Jason, always be older than it? me. So, <laughs> no matter whatever happens, you two will always be older than me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Don't worry, but, you're, uh, you're gonna get old too. Hopefully. Well, then oh, you probably um, won't be here. Another. <laughs> hey, another thing that's coming up. Me and Jason, uh, we're gonna be speaking at this. It's called a Bigfoot Barbecue. Oh, we're going to have barbecue and Bigfoot. Yeah, man. Uh, September 18th. Where's that at? Uh, It's going to be up around Kitkanning. Instead of campground. Are you going to actually camp out? Yeah, for the night. Yeah, but the guy's offering us a cabin. Oh, good. There you go. That sounds like fun. But they they have an estimated roughly at least 1,000 people every year. Oh, God. Now, did anybody ever see Bigfoot? Uh, I wear a size 15 shoes, so I can classify. <laughs> Me and Jason are going to be looking for UFOs and Bigfoot afterwards. Oh, I, yeah. I like to look for UFOs more than Bigfoot. Well, come on up. Bigfoot come on up. Saturday, September come on up. 18th. Come on up. You can go hunt for Sasquatch and UFOs. Because yes. actually at the big uh, the um, Bigfoot Festival last weekend, they were talking about uh, several of the speakers talked about how Right when they saw Bigfoot, there was also a UFO sighting at the yeah, same time. Yes. Oh, well, you know, they say that you, you know, Bigfoot is an yeah. extraterrestrial. Yeah, they were saying Absolutely. like it's more of an interdimensional oh. thing. Oh, I got a story to tell you. Okay. I got Last week, I was down at Val's house down there in uh, West Virginia. Brookston Mills, I think it's called. And me and her husband, Matt, were having coffee on the outside of their porch. And honest to gosh, we heard a real loud knock, like a piece of wood hitting a tree. It was so mm. great. Yeah. The tree falls. It was and a does it make a noise? Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but no, when we heard that knock, and then, and then I, you know, watching all those Bigfoot shows, it, it sounded exactly like the knock that guys do to try to get a response from Bigfoot. No one was out in the woods. There was no chainsaws going nothing like that and we heard a knock it was cool was it a knock on a tree or just a yeah knock? yeah knock on the tree it was hmm. real loud that's yeah. cool that's cool mm-hmm. okay. okay well i i don't know i know um i i think bigfoot is i'm not so sure he's from outer space anymore i think maybe it's hmm. just a genetic thing that happened and they are just like a another species that um have Dan Dan Hageman Hagman Hagman yeah Russ just messaged me the uh gentleman that has the uh, evidence we believe his name is Dan Hageman we'll have to get so. him on the show yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that would I talked cool. to him he was definitely interested I hope I got the right business card so that'd be cool that'd be cool yeah I get him on the show because uh we're booked we booked up pretty much for September I don't even know who we have nice. next week we have I think we have the um the, the prepper the haunted of route 30 i think i'm not sure we might Where's have a good when? investigation coming up soon too 
yeah. working on. Yep, yep, yep. Where's yep. this we one are. at? Uh, it's it's local. I uh, won't disclose the uh, area it's in for reasons of the people that live right next door. But uh, I met these people um, through my job, actually, and we just got to talking and talking about paranormal and everything. And there's an old church building there. Hmm. And I think it's from the late 1800s or very, oh, very early good. 1900s. Yeah. There's a cemetery behind it. So oh. I was like, oh, you know, you know. Is there any chance we, you know, we can investigate? And uh, they proceeded to tell me about how it's been investigated before. And um, one of the investigators, I guess they contacted, I think, around 13 spirits. And they said that all of them were very, very angry. Oh, so, angry so, and they said there's like no power lines or anything back there. You know, as I saw where it's at, there's nothing around it. There's just nothing. And uh, like th- she was talking about how their meters and equipment was going nuts, you know, just you know, once they started communicating with whoever's there. And I was like, well, of course, I got all excited about it. Like, well, this is right. sweet. <laughs> you know, so we're in the process of hopefully setting that up, you know, hopefully for like October or something like that when it cools down yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, September was the fourteenth. We're having that one author on about the Bridgewater Triangle, and um, that's going to be interesting. An yeah, interesting show. Interesting. Road trip. Yeah, definitely. Next year, let's go. Go for I it. Let's go. go. Let's go right now. I want to go. Pack your bags. Let's go. <laughs> you, you pay my bills. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. I got to go tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, I that, do want to go to that. That's gonna that's gonna be a good show. Um, we have a yes, couple different goofy ones coming up. We have a um. Do we have another the prepper? A what? The prepper for the end of times. You said there was a guy that does prepping. Oh, the uh, yeah, I was trying to get him on the show. He didn't answer me yet for Doomsday. Okay, I'm trying. Yeah, Doomsday one. Okay, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I think we better start getting a generator and every we have one. I have one, but we haven't used it. It probably won't start. They're just carburetor. talking because they're going to get the uh, the grid's going to the next. They they think the next uh, cyber attack is going to be the grid. And well, what are you going to do if you don't have any power for weeks at a time? Right, the true. You know? We we had it for we I lost power for two days in a row and it drove me nuts. You won't have it if you have a it, I don't have a a regular phone that it says it's going goes by Comcast so you're mm. not going to have the phone service. <laughs> I actually did get a um, cell phone charger, solar charger, but you have to I think you have to keep charging it like inside. And I don't even know what I did with the um, cord. But if the grid it. goes down, will the uh, phone lines all still work? No, they won't. Not not the. The telephone poles should still work, I would imagine. I'm not sure. I know that cell phones won't work. We won't have any Wi-Fi. Oh, my God. The nation's going to collapse. Yeah, that's what I said. What are you going to (laughs) do? No internet. No, even how to to freeze, like, your food. If you have a generator, you can use it to... Keep your feet, food frozen. I don't know how long a generator. We he'll answer all these questions like, how long do you have? You know, right. How much time do you have? I hope he answers you back because I want to uh, write shit down. You know what I mean? Seriously, it's like yeah, I do. <laughs> are you prepared not to have any power? Are you prepared not to have anything like I have a security system? Like we have a security system. Do you have any anything to protect yourself? Do you have a weapon? Do you have, you know, yeah. 
all these things. I, you, mm-hmm. I have an AR in my back pocket. It just kind of doesn't fit there, though. ARs, <laughs> they're the ones that get, get an AR. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Armor light rifle. Yeah, they're easy to <laughs> shoot. That's where that stemmed from. Yeah. So. Um, getting closer to witching art. Oh no! Are we done? Okay. No, about three yeah, minutes. A couple minutes. A couple minutes. I can't remember what time we're off. Two we're off at eleven. Minutes to quit in time. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> a lot of different shows. I mean, I like to have. Um, I like a more gauging guest to let us talk. Um, yes. Ask questions. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, to all our listeners out there and people who are watching oh, the show. Um, oh boy. Write us something. Tell us what you want us to, you know, yeah. put on on the air. Let give us some suggestions, and then we'll put it on for you. And we'd be we'll, more than happy to advertise for you too in a voiceover ad. Absolutely. And uh, again, I want to thank our sponsors, Carnation. Um, yes, they thank make you. the best cream. Yes, thank you. Um, mm. Best things cut Thanksgiving around. Was it two more <laughs> months? Three more months. I oh, love oh, Carnation. Um, the milk. Um, Evaporated milk, great creamers out there. It's a great. Uh, Don't they make uh, hot chocolate? But thank you, Carnation, for sponsoring our show tonight. Uh, the second hour. Yes. Yeah, I do believe there's Carnation hot chocolate. Yeah, that sounds good. Yes. That's only around Christmas. My Sorry. Christmas is right around the corner. But is there going to be a shortage of all these goodies this year? Because, like, look at look at like. Uh, gas stations everything short on creamers and food yeah there are yeah. i don't know yeah. that's what people think that the people are prepping they said walmart's yeah, are really possible. there's there's not a lot of meats and stuff and water supply mm-hmm. that they're already prepping for it so people are doing it and i don't know if you listen to tiktok i mean if there's like one after the other on how to prep um right for the uh who knows the grid going down? It's scary thought, but they're who knows yeah, now. But you can't worry about what you can't control. Exactly. Exactly. But it's always exactly. good to be prepared, though. Too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree to an extent. I think everybody should think go, go get go a generator. I think you got y'all should get a generator. Well, as soon as the yeah. first big snowstorm hits, everyone will have one. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> exactly. Got to get that generator up. And make sure it works, but don't do it in the house. You don't put nope. the generator in the house or in the garage. Yes, you kill yourself. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there was uh, somebody. That people do house that. caught on fire because of that. I'll, I'll sell y'all some generators. I got a bunch of them. How many you want? I got like five in biatches right now, maybe six. It's weird for us. Like for Katrina, I had to buy four for my company, two for my house because we kept run running for three weeks. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because I wanted air conditioning. I didn't give, even though the city was underwater and there's alligators <laughs> going around, you got to guard your house from crazy people trying to rob you. I still wanted air conditioning. Definitely. My partner's like, how are you going to do this? I'm going to go buy three window units and put it in the house. I said, if you don't want air conditioning, that's fine. Sleep upstairs. I said, but downstairs is going to be air conditioned. Because you know, that's where the kitchen and family room was, and the kids are going to be sleeping there anyway. So I was like, yeah, nice and cool. So I had to keep my chihuahuas cool, man. Yeah, they're so adorable. <laughs> yeah, they are. Cool. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's, they are. that's the two new ones. Uh, baby girl's only two years old, and, and the little one, Lola, she's uh, 10 weeks, 11 weeks. She's a terror, man. I'm just telling you. She's a terror. When I put sleeping demons, I mean it. That dog is, oh, God. I forgot. I'm glad I don't have grandkids right now. Jesus. No, oh, Jesus. 
Yeah, I'll get some of them too. So which I'll do. Oh, we still on air, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah, we're right. we're <laughs> live. Well, if y'all listen, people, I got I got generators for sale. <clears throat> you know what? Too, a little chewies, a little chewies for sale. And I keep my chewies. You know, I keep my chewies, especially Charlie. We had for eighteen years. That dog could smell food. Look, I never starved to death with him. They would always. He could smell food anyway, and plus he eat anything. I mean, he, like the dog would be like, you'd be sitting there, what are you sniffing at, Charlie? Think he'd be like an animal. So, oh no, he's tracking down somebody's lunch. Uh, or uh, I mean, he would have made a great. Uh, he could have probably made a great drug dog, man. He just God, he had a super snoop on him. Oh. And that's how that's how the baby girl is. That's why she's fat as she is. She's like, oh, what's that? Let me go she's see. Pleasantly Ooh, plump. Yes. Oh man, she's pleasantly. Oh, good. Yeah. Fluffy. So how oh. was your guess? I didn't get to hear because I was going crazy with something else. Uh, she was a good guess. It was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. If y'all want to see true torture, tune into the Outer Realm tomorrow night because I'm going to be the host of their show. Oh, and they're going no. to be the guest. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Uh, no coming. Uh, hey, I was fair. I warned them. I said, they said, what, what do you mean? I said, yeah, let me host y'all. So I, I got some questions I want to ask. <laughs> so, oh. like, like, what do you mean, questions? Uh, just a couple, you know, fewer, five, six, or seven, or eight, maybe ten. ten I love torturing hosts. There's no, nothing more fun than torturing a host, man. It's just like, oh, uh, it's, it's a great thing. Don't worry, y'all all get y'all's time. Okay, guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in to Chasing Prophecy. You guys have a great Thank night. You, we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Ah, good.